0: chapter 1, I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and read through verse 5. You can follow along or look at the screen behind me. Uh, Luke, the physician, writes and says, "...the former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive not many days from now. Heavenly Father, I pray that the same Holy Spirit who baptized these new believers with, uh, with everlasting life would fill this room today. And I pray that as I try to speak this word on the outside, that the Holy Spirit would speak it into our hearts. Uh, Lord, I pray that, uh, that our soul would be on fire today. And that we would be committed to you and to the task that you have given to us as individuals And to us as a church, we ask this in Jesus' name, and all the people said, amen. Amen. Hey, I'm glad you're here today because today I'm going to start a new series uh, that I'll preach through the book of Acts, okay? So this year we're going to preach through Acts. There, There will be some breaks. Uh, when we come to different uh, time periods in the year and also give you breaks because uh, you may get tired of me preaching uh, sermons like I'm going to preach to you today, all right? But through the year, our default series is going to be on the book of Acts, and I've entitled it Unstoppable, Unstoppable, because that's what our God is. Our God is an unstoppable God. And he has started this task of reaching the world with the good news of the gospel. And he is doing that through his church. Therefore, his church is unstoppable. And when I am a believer in Jesus Christ and I am part of the family of God and God is living inside of me through him, I am unstoppable. So here we go, our first sermon on unstoppable. Today we're going to talk about our unstoppable God, living in the irresistible power of God's Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, I am faced with circumstances that come into my life every single day that remind me of how weak I am and how I can't do this without the help of God. Whether it's just trying to live my life that, that glorifies God every day or or whether it's trying to be a man of holiness or to be a a good husband or to be a good father or to be an effective witness or to wisely lead this church. Without the Spirit of God in my life, I fell miserably. On the other hand, the more I know of God, the more I see how powerful He is and how awesome He is. He is so powerful that he never fails to accomplish what he intends to do. If God starts a task, guess what? He's going to complete that task. And he is so powerful that he can pull off anything that he wants to do. So the secret is to somehow or another get my weak life connected with that power source of Almighty God. And then I'll have power for living every single day. You see, God is on an unstoppable mission. Jesus said that the gospel of the kingdom of God will be proclaimed to the nations. The good news of the gospel will be preached to the peoples of this world. And at the end of the Bible, we are given a glimpse of heaven. And it is populated with people from every nation, every tribe, every color, every people group. Because God himself is on an unstoppable mission. And the mystery of his grace is that he plans to use us, people like you and me, people like this church, in this unstoppable quest. This message, the good news of the gospel, and the life-changing power that goes with it, is to be carried from one person to another. It's to be carried from one nation to another until the day that Jesus Christ comes back to establish His eternal kingdom. And the book of Acts shows us that this quest is unstoppable because God is unstoppable. (laughs) Go back and look at verse 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up... ...after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen. So really what we have here in the book of Acts is a sequel to what we read about in the Gospels. The four Gospels prelude the book of Acts. The book of Acts just follows what we have in the Gospels and specifically... In the book of Luke because physician Luke wrote not only the book that goes by his name, the gospel of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. So Acts is just the sequel. Have you ever been to a movie and by the end of the movie you know they're going to have another movie? I mean, it's just that way. I'll I'll never forget 1976. We lived in Abilene, Texas. I was just, man, I was just a young kid. I went, I went to see this epic movie that was playing at the movie theater, Rocky. Rocky Balboa, the Italian Stallion. I, I was reminiscing with my kids the other night about going to that movie again. I was just, I was a very young teenager. Uh, went to the movie and after the movie, out in the parking lot, man, there are probably a half a dozen fights that yeah. broke out because people are trying to be Rocky out there in the parking lot, you know. But you know what? You knew at the end of Rocky, there's going to be another Rocky. The problem is Rocky won't die. I mean, Sylvester Stallone just goes on and on and on, and I don't know how old he is now—probably 103, maybe. I, I don't know, but there's a new movie out. It's not a Rocky movie, but it's Creed. The son of Apollo Creed, you know, but Rocky still, he's still the you know he's still the main guy in the movie, isn't he? It's, it's, yeah, I don't know if I'd compare Rocky to Moses, but that's a good analogy, maybe. So the book of Acts is just this sequel to the Gospels. And to get the whole story, you got to connect the two. Luke, as I said, is the writer of both the Gospel bearing his name and the book of Acts. And in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us about the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. He talks about his death on Calvary's cross for our sin. He talked about them putting Jesus into the tomb and then his resurrection when he rose over sin, death, hell, and the grave. And he also talked about the ascension in Luke chapter 24 when Jesus went from this earth to heaven where he now sits at the right hand of the Father. These are the facts that make up the gospel the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ. They are the essential facts of the gospel. And before a person can be saved and born again and have their life transformed by God's amazing power, they must accept the facts of the gospel. Now, there was a very real possibility that after Jesus died, was buried, rose again, and ascended back to heaven, and after those first eyewitnesses like Luke died... But the gospel itself could have died. This message could have died at the end of the first century. I don't know if you keep up with the news in Texas, but did you hear about a recent story in Abilene, Texas? I lived in Abilene for a couple of years. I know all about Abilene. There was a guy by the name of John. He pulled up to a Chick-fil-A in his pickup truck. Everybody in Texas drives pickup trucks. He drove, pulled up to this Chick-fil-A and, and uh, put his order in. Then he went around to the window to pay. And, and he said, uh, my name's John. And I want to pay for the meals of the people that come behind me. And he gave the attendant 10 $100 bills. For those of you who grew up in Arkansas, that's $1,000, all right? <laughs> oh, boy. It would be a good time to drink a, a gulp of water. <laughs> Let you get over that, all right? And then he drove off. What a great gift, huh? The, the, the report goes on to tell us that the next 88 cars got their meal free. Sweet, man, what a great deal. Now, I got to thinking, what would it have been like if you were car number 89? I mean, I, I put myself there because I did live in Abilene. I know all about the town. What, what if I had heard that story on the radio or, or read it on Facebook or got a tweet from one of my friends that had been through Chick-fil-A and got a free meal? What if I knew that and so I ran home and I picked up my dad? <laughs> because he, he loves free stuff, man. And uh, dad and I head off to Chick-fil-A and, and, and I get to the window and the attendant says, sorry, the gift is run out. That car right in front of you, they got the last few dollars. That'd be a bummer. Dad would just say, son, turn around. Don't, you know. (laughs) You see, listen, as, as generous as a gift as that was, it had a limit. After the thousand was gone, it was gone. But I'm here to tell you, church, the power of the gospel is unlimited. And it is unstoppable. There will never be a time when it runs out. The book of Acts shows that the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the message of the good news of the gospel changed the world. It changed the world as the Holy Spirit of God empowered the church to take this life-changing message into the world. And it will not stop. Until God says it's time to stop it. Hmm? Now there are two very compelling realities that fueled the life of these first century believers in the book of Acts. And I think they are the same compelling realities that must fuel our lives and this church. Real simple things. First of all, it's the reality, the power, the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Luke goes on in verse 3 to say to whom he also presented himself alive after suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And so Jesus came back and with infallible proofs he showed them that he was alive. That's the reality embedded into the hearts of those early believers Jesus is alive. They believe that with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. It is that reality that transformed this cowardly band of men. And make no mistake about it, they were cowards. You go back and read the account in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus faced his greatest hour and the Roman soldiers came to to take him away. They fled, they dispersed, they were cowards. But it's the reality of Jesus being alive that transformed this group of cowards into a force that would grip this world and change our world. It is the same power that continues in this church and in our lives today. Jesus is alive. Do you know that? He's alive. In spite of the attacks of skeptics throughout the ages, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ remains, I believe, one of the most verifiable facts in all of history. There are many, many convincing proofs. In fact, it says that Jesus appeared to them repeatedly, over and over again, for a time period of 40 days. He spoke to them. He taught them about His kingdom. There was content to His speech. He also ate meals with them. His disciples saw him take food and put it into his mouth. There were many convincing proofs. Jesus is alive. It was the reality that Jesus was alive that inspired many of these first century Christians to die rather than deny the lord jesus christ you don't do that for a dead leader huh you do that for the living lord they knew he was alive they gave him everything <laughs> and they held nothing back for themselves you know I got to thinking about this maybe maybe that is what's missing in our lives today Maybe the reason that we live such anemic spiritual lives and that we are so weak in our witness is that we are not totally convinced that Jesus Christ is alive and we are not living in the daily fellowship that we need to be living with the Lord. Maybe it's that we haven't plugged our lives into that power source that is God. I don't know, it, it, it begs me to ask you the question. Do you believe Jesus is alive? Are you totally sold out to him? Is he truly the Lord of your life? Have you given him everything and held nothing back for yourself? You know, God, let me tell you, it's real easy for us to say that. But have we have we really done that? Do we live that way? I mean, it's it's easy for us to come in here and talk church talk, to talk Jesus talk. It's it's easy for us to put the facade on when we go to gatherings or around other people. But do we really believe it in our hearts? Do we flesh it out every day? I don't know what it is. I'm I guess it's that I'm getting old. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I'm 54 years old. I realize that, uh, you know, I don't have a whole lot of time left. Uh, you know, the older you get, the, the, the more you realize that. I, you know, I may not have another day left. But I only have a few years of ministry left. and I realize that, you know, Will, if you, if you really are going to do the things that God has called you to do, you better get to doing them, man. And it's easy to talk a good talk, but do we, really, do we really believe it? Do we live it? I preach all the time, you know, you as parents, need to, you need to release your kids to the Lord's work. And if God is calling one of your kids into ministry, you need to let them go into ministry. I've been on the other end of that, and I've seen parents who are unwilling to release their kids to ministry and it it becomes a mess in the family it really is a mess and so i've preached this all of my life i, I believe it and, and then here comes my middle daughter she believes that she's called to be a missionary she's gone to baylor to become a medical missionary and you know what i'm good with that and, and and our family supports her and we've sent her down there. And, and and you know what? We we can talk a good talk and say, man, that's great. One day, one day my baby girl's gonna go and be a missionary for the Lord. Hallelujah. That's great. Then she comes home at Christmas and says, You know what? God's given me an opportunity to go right now and be a missionary, and I, I might take a leave of absence from school. And for nine months, go to three different countries. I'm going to be honest with you. Cut the video off. (laughs) The reality hit. This is the real deal. Well, you're going to have to step it up a notch and just not talk the talk. You're going to have to believe by faith. You're going to have to flesh it out. This whole week, man, God has really rocked my world. (laughs) about who I am and what I'm doing. What He's called me to do and what He wants me to be. I've had to look at myself differently, I think, than I've looked at myself in the past 54 years. And come to this gut-wrenching decision that, you know what, it is not about me. It's about Him. He is alive. He has changed my life. I do owe him everything. And so that means 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Whether I'm standing in front of you or I am alone in my own private prayer closet. I am God's. It is the reality of knowing That he died on a cross to save me from my sins. That he rose from a tomb, gaining victory over death, hell, and the grave. And that now he sits at the right hand of the throne of Almighty God, making intercession for people like me. That lights a fire in my heart. I used to say all the time, Lord, I'll go anywhere you want me to go. I'll do anything you want me to do. And then he called me to Arkansas. And I thought, man, well, you better be careful. Because I thought I was going to get to spend the rest of my life in Texas. Lord has a sense of humor, doesn't he? You know what? Even at 54, we need to still be living that way, guys. Every day the resurrection of Jesus has changed us in such a way that we are on fire for the Lord. The second compelling reality that fueled our spiritual ancestors and needs to continue to fuel us today is the power of the Holy Spirit. The way the first reality, the resurrection of Jesus Christ becomes effective in our lives is by the second reality and that is the power of God's Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives makes the presence of the living God real for us. It's God living inside of us. That's who the Holy Spirit is. Now, church, Jesus did not intend for this unstoppable quest to be accomplished by mere human ingenuity or human energy or human intelligence or human grit. Because sometimes we have that, and sometimes we don't. You know what? I think we would all be surprised to really find out how much we try to live life on our own, even as Christians. We say we depend on God, but do we really? Even in church. You know what? I could walk out of this church today and and leave as your pastor, and this church would keep going. You know why? It is a mighty machine. It is is a great church that is well oiled, not only by the staff, but by you. The problem with that is we can keep coming here week after week after week and do all of this in our own human ingenuity and intelligence and grit and not have God in this place. But I'm telling you, if we really want the power of God, we've got to have more than what we have. God's unstoppable quest will have to be dependent upon a power source that is unlimited and unstoppable, and that is God. That's why he says in verse 4, And being assembled together with them, He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You have heard from Me. So the message Jesus gave His followers was a spiritual mission, and it required spiritual power, which would come from the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said, don't you dare charge out into the world and try to accomplish this great task without first receiving the power source that comes from me. Only then, when you have my spirit, will you be unstoppable. So guys, we cannot be effective as followers of Jesus without the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told them to remain in Jerusalem. You stay in Jerusalem and you wait there until the Spirit comes and fills you. Notice the way Jesus describes the the work that the Holy Spirit would do in their lives and in our lives. Three things. We experience the Spirit as a gift The Holy Spirit is a gift from God. Wait for the promise of the Father. The coming of the Holy Spirit into our lives is part of the gift of eternal life given to us when we receive Jesus as our Savior. It's a package deal. I confess my sins and I confess Jesus is Lord of my life. Jesus forgives me of my sins. Writes my name in the Lamb's book of life. And I receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can't earn that gift. You can't purchase that gift. You don't deserve that gift because it's a gift. (laughs) And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we receive Jesus. But he also identifies the Spirit as a promise. He says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. So the Father promised the Spirit. When did he do that? Way back in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 44 verse 3, God said, I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendant. So, God the Father promised the Holy Spirit way back in the Old Testament. Here you have the gift and the promise of the Holy Spirit that is connected to our redemption and our salvation. So receiving Jesus by faith is the same as receiving the Holy Spirit. It, it all happens when we're saved. Not only did the Old Testament talk about the sending of the Holy Spirit, Jesus addressed it. Jesus said in John 14, I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. I, I like that description of the Holy Spirit. He's my helper. Huh? that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be in you. (laughs) So in Old Testament times, the people of God were helped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. But it wasn't until the death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ that God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us. And He does. He indwells us. He is the gift. He is the promise. But it also speaks of the Holy Spirit's experience as a baptism. Verse 5, For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now, we are familiar with water baptism or physical baptism. Next Sunday we're going to have baptism here at church. And so if you've been saved but you haven't been baptized... See one of our pastors, and, and we'll tell you what you need to know. We'll put your name on the list, and at the end of our service, we'll baptize you. Uh, we talked about this at the, at the first service. We had seven people in the first service come and tell us they needed to be baptized. Isn't that awesome? You know, Usually, at the end of the second service, we have a lot of people baptized. This time, there's already seven. All right. From the first service. So if you need to be baptized, let us know because we want to baptize you. That's physical. You know what happens? We we take you up into this water and we put you under the water. It it represents Jesus' death and burial. And what it says to the world is, you know what? I have died to my own old life. And just as Jesus was buried in the tomb, we bury you in the waters of baptism. But you know what? Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, and we're not going to leave you under the water. Now, Brother Johnny, he'll take those kids all the way down to the bottom of the baptistry, but we've never lost anybody up there, all right? So we bring you up out of the water. It represents the new life that you have in Jesus Christ. And that's what Jesus is talking about in this verse, spiritual baptism. The new life that occurs. It signifies what happens in spiritual baptism. When the Holy Spirit comes to live in us. We are immersed and united with Christ. Again the presence of the Holy Spirit makes the presence of the risen Christ real to us. We experience the gift of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift. It is a promise. It is a baptism. But what did Jesus mean when he said in verse 4 you guys wait for the promise you wait for the Holy Spirit well he had already said in that previous book the gospel of Luke chapter 24 verse 49 I am going to send you what my father has promised but you stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high I think that's an interesting word there you wait until God clothes you, endures you, is another translation, with power from on high. And we know how the disciples spent those days waiting for the gift of the Holy Spirit. They, they didn't sit around in the, uh, the Motel 8 in Jerusalem, kick back playing cards to kill the time. No, we know what they did because it's recorded in Acts chapter 1, verse 14. They all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. So they waited this whole period seeking God in prayer. The power of the Holy Spirit was to be appropriated and received by prayer and by faith. This was true of the initial gift of the Holy Spirit. But you know what? I think it is also true of every subsequent filling of the Holy Spirit. Church, listen to me. The Bible tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit when we receive Christ through faith. But having received Christ, we are to be regularly refilled and refueled with the Spirit of God. That's what Paul meant in Ephesians 5.18 when he said, Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't live your life under the influence of alcohol or any other substance of abuse. Live your life under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And keep living that way keep living that way. How many of you have a cell phone? Raise your hand. Repeat after me. No, it looks like everybody in here does. You know, it, it, it's everybody communicates on cell phones. Now it's, it's, it's my office. <laughs> really, I can take my office with me anywhere I want to go. And, and just recently, we decided to, uh, to cancel our, our landline. I, I hated to do that because I was raised from Southwestern Bell and AT&T Paychecks. My dad started climbing telephone poles, you know, with, with Southwestern Bell and then he went with AT&T and I don't know, I'm just I'm I'm sentimental about things and you know, I'm attached to stuff and and uh, so it, it took me a really long time to realize I don't need that landline in my house costing me money every month. The only people who call on that number are people who want money from me. I don't talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. So anyway, we we, we we don't have that number anymore. If you call it, uh, it's not working. <laughs> all right. So uh, yeah, But the thing about cell phones, as cool as they are and as neat as they are, they run on a battery. And eventually that battery is going to wear down. So even if you have one of the new iPhone 6S's, new technology, at best, if you're on that thing all day, you know, after two days you're going to have to recharge it. I recharge my phone every day, and, and if I keep in mind the whole contract period, which I always do, by the end of the two years, man, I'm, I'm having to recharge my phone all through the day because the cotton-picking battery you know, won't keep a charge. Anyway, that's my problem, isn't it? You know what? The same thing is true in your spiritual life. When it comes to the the ministry of the Holy Spirit, when, when you're saved, you're given the gift of the Holy Spirit. But because we are weak, limited human beings, the power of God's Holy Spirit is drained out of us. One reason, because we're living in a sinful world. And this world sucks God's power out of us. Sometimes we lose the power because we let sin come into our life. That's, that's a quick drain right there. Other times we lose power because, because of Christian service. Don't think you can't become weary and well-doing because you can. You can. So we need to be recharged. And, and, and that's what the Bible calls the filling of the Holy Spirit. Every day your life needs to be refilled and refueled with the power of God. So Jesus said, you guys go and wait until you are clothed with power from on high. Now here's what God intends. I've said all that to say this. I'm almost finished. There's a soft amen that roars through the congregation. Here's what God intends. God intends to dress up His Son and His life-changing message in human beings. That is, God is going to clothe people like you and me with His life-changing message through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then here's what God is going to do. He's going to put us in His special gun. Have to throw that in, all right? And aim us at the world. We literally become his bullet. He's aiming us at this world. And then he fires us into this world. We are on task with God. We are on mission with him. So in the book of Acts we're not just reading about some heroes who did this long ago and then they died. And all we have now is this nostalgic story of the good old glory days. No. We have here the pattern of how God intends to fulfill His mission and His purpose in every generation until Jesus comes back again. He did it for the first church and He's still doing it for us today. God intends to do it through believers like us who are clothed with the power of the Spirit of Jesus Christ who every day fills us and refills us with this passion for ministry to get the good news of the gospel out there. So, in this sense, the the book of Acts is is still going on. It's unstoppable. It's still going on. If Acts in the Bible is volume 1, written from the first century, we, this church, are volume 21, Because we are the acts of Almighty God through human vessels, men, women, boys and girls who have partnered themselves with God on His unstoppable mission. Now, I preach this for two reasons. Well, three. First one is I've started this new series in verses 1 through 5, all right? But the real reason is this. I want to go back to where I started. Every single day, I realize I can't do it on my own, and I'm I'm figuring that out more as I get older. You know, this is one of the crazy things about life. For the when I was young, I thought I could do everything. I realize now I can't. I am limited. So are you. You've got to have God. You've got to have His power. I mean, just to live life, you've got to have God. He's the difference maker. This Wednesday, we're going to have a funeral for Miss Gloria Jones, great lady of God. Uh, her and Charles came to our church for, for several years. About five months ago, we did Charles's funeral, and I knew then that, that Miss Gloria wasn't going to be around much longer. She, she was already ready to go to heaven. Five months ago when we did Charles's funeral. And so this Wednesday we're going to do her funeral. You know what? She made a decision a long time ago to trust Jesus. And God gave her the power to live her life every day for him. And now he has given her the power to spend eternity in heaven. Guys, you can't do it on your own. You need to plug into that power source. God is Unstoppable. And with God in my life, I'm unstoppable too. The second reason I preach this sermon is just a reminder for us as a church. I mean, God has called us to a big task. This is a great church, a lot of great things happening. I don't know. I I described it the other day to somebody like this. I I said, you know, I think for most of the people who come to Kavanaugh, they're just happy. They're just happy to be a part of this great church with all the wonderful things going on. They're kind of, you know, almost like you're content to come in here, and it's because the music's awesome, isn't it? Music is great. Fellowship is great. We don't have any problems, no, no bickering going on, no infighting going on. It's a great environment to be in. You, you feel good when you're here. Occasionally, maybe one out of every eight Sundays, you'll hear a decent message. You know? I mean, I mean it, you know? But the problem with all of that is that sometimes we just become complacent. You can get real complacent sitting where you're sitting today and having everything given to you and being on a great voyage. On the good ship, Kavanaugh. Sometimes we need to be shaken up a little bit. Sometimes we need to refocus our attention on what God has called us to do. And you need to be a part of that. So will you? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would... uh, Do something special in our midst today through your Holy Spirit who is in this place. Lord, for the person who needs to come and be saved, I pray that they would come today and receive Christ as their Savior. Lord, if there is a Christian here today that is away from you, I pray that they would come back home to you today, Lord. For others just dealing with life and they have big problems in their home or their family, may they come and bring those cares to you. Lay them at your feet. Lord, others of us have lost loved ones that we need to come and intercede for today. So may we use this time to do that. But then, dear Lord, for our church. Lord, may we have many concerned Christians today. Who come and beg for that power. That was started in the book of Acts to be real at Kavanaugh Church in 2016 Lord I realize that with all of our planning and all of our ingenuity and all of our grit we can't get the job done on our own we need your power and so if we ask for it today will you please give it to us going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed and as the praise team sings would you come and pray if God leads you to come and pray would you come right now